This video is brought to you by Ground News. Today, the BRICS groups agrees to let in more countries. Putin breaks his silence over Prigozhin's death. Zimbabwe's opposition alleges suppression as votes are counted. And Fiji's Prime Minister warns the US and China against polarizing the Pacific. From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Friday the 25th of August 2023. The BRICS group of Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa has agreed to expand and bring in six new members from January 2024. The six new members, which will more than double the size of the informal group, are Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. The decision to expand was made this week at the BRICS Leaders' Summit in South Africa. China's President Xi Jinping hailed the expansion as historic and a new starting point for BRICS cooperation. Almost two dozen countries have applied to join the bloc, so the admission of six new members opens the door to more potential rounds of expansion. However, this week's summit has highlighted divisions within the existing group over things like expansion and exactly what the group is for. China and Russia have been keen to expand beyond the five current BRICS members, as they want to see the group become a geopolitical counterweight to the US-led Western alliance. In theory, adding more members increases the group's clout. However, new members impact the group's ability to act in unison, especially when looking at the current and incoming membership. India and China have a growing rivalry and an ill-defined border that's prone to flare-ups. Egypt and Ethiopia have a dispute over water supply from the River Nile, and Iran and Saudi Arabia have their own regional rivalry that's played out in a proxy conflict in Yemen. The six new countries were selected after the existing members reached consensus on the guiding principles, standards, criteria and procedures of the BRICS expansion process, a statement said, though didn't give details on those principles. Some have pointed out that the expansion is notably energy-centric, with the inclusion of the UAE, Iran and Saudi Arabia. While China and Russia have been keen to expand, Brazil and India have been more hesitant, perhaps because it dilutes their own position within the bloc. In fact, Brazil's President Lula directly countered the idea of BRICS becoming some kind of anti-US alliance, saying he doesn't want it to be a counterpoint to the G7, G20 or the US and that it is, instead, a way for developing and emerging nations, known as the Global South, to organise themselves. And to be fair, the summit in South Africa has provided that opportunity. Representatives from non-BRICS Global South nations raised issues of suffocating debt repayments, developing a just international economic order, win-win multilateral cooperation, and more. There's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine. Or just search for us on your podcast app to listen along. On Wednesday evening, the leader of the Wagner Group, Evgeny Prigozhin, died in a plane crash. Since then, information about the event has been slowly being released. The Russian president, Vladimir Putin, spoke openly about the crash for the first time yesterday. Putin described Prigozhin as a talented person who made serious mistakes in life. He went on to give his condolences to the families of all of those who died on the plane. Reports in Russian media have suggested that Russian authorities are investigating the possibility that a bomb was smuggled on board, detonated and then caused the plane to crash. 
A Prigozhin-linked telegram channel, though, has suggested that the plane may have been shot down by Russian anti-aircraft forces. The US Pentagon has, though, suggested that there's no information to indicate this. The West is so far hesitant to even accept that Prigozhin's dead. The British Ministry of Defence have, today, claimed that there's no definitive proof yet, although it is highly likely that Prigozhin is dead. Interestingly, around lunchtime today, Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov came out and put on the record that allegations that Russia gave an order to kill Evgeny Prigozhin are a complete lie. It's unlikely that this statement will reassure many people that Putin didn't have a hand in the death, though. So that's what's been happening in Russia today. Let's move and discuss what's been happening in Zimbabwe. Votes are being counted and results are starting to trickle in from Zimbabwe's election on Wednesday and Thursday this week. But authorities have arrested 41 people accused of subversive and criminal activities. The detainees mostly come from civil society groups who have been trying to monitor the election process, including the Zimbabwe Election Support Network, Election Resource Centre and Team Pachadu. Police have seized their laptops, phones and other devices, which they say were being used to unlawfully tabulate election voting statistics and results from polling stations throughout the country. Seeking re-election is eight-year-old President Emerson Mnangagwa, who took power from longtime authoritarian leader Robert Mugabe in a 2017 coup before winning a disputed election in 2018. In this week's election, he's facing the same opponent, 45-year-old Nelson Chamiza from the Citizens' Coalition for Change. Despite painful unemployment, inflation and currency depreciation, President Menangagwa and his ZANU-PF party, which have been in power for more than 40 years, is expected to win again as the playing field is far from level. Voting had to be extended into a second day after delivery of ballots in part of the country were significantly delayed. The opposition Citizens Coalition for Change said intimidation, delays and irregularities meant that the vote was not free and fair. The results of the presidential election must be announced within five days of the vote. This morning it's been reported that the Prime Minister of Fiji, Sitiveni Rabuka, has made a speech in which he put on the record that he hopes the rivalry between the US and China in the Pacific does not escalate into military conflict. About this, Rabuka said they are trying to polarise the Pacific into their own camps, so we'll have to be very certain that whatever we do, we're mindful of the collective need of the Pacific to be a zone of peace, a zone of non-aligned territories. Hopefully that will not develop into military conflict or military jealousies that will see a build-up of military forces or weapons in the area. Rabuka was speaking at a summit meeting of several Pacific Island leaders. While the leaders did discuss regional security, they also discussed climate change. Regional security, though, does appear to have been the main focus. Present at the meeting were the leaders of Papua New Guinea, the Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, Fiji and New Caledonia's ruling FLNKS party. Before we get into the uplifting story, just a quick update on yesterday's story about Trump handing himself in to authorities in Georgia. As expected, a mugshot was taken and released. His jail record from Fulton County Jail, where he was booked, lists him as 6 foot 3, 215 pounds, with blonde or strawberry hair. He was released on a $200,000 bond. In some uplifting news, following the successful touchdown of India's moon lander earlier this week, the mission's lunar rover has successfully left the landing craft and begun exploring the moon's surface. 
moving at around 1 cm per second, the Pragyan rover, which means wisdom in Sanskrit, will examine the composition of minerals on the surface of the moon. That's all for today, but if you want to stay in the loop until the next one, then you'll want to check out Ground News. A website and app developed by a former NASA engineer on a mission to give readers an easy, data-driven and objective way of reading the news. That's because every story comes with a visual breakdown of the political bias, factuality and ownership of the sources reporting all backed by ratings from three independent news monitoring organizations. It's not just that either. I especially like their blind spot feature, which highlights stories disproportionately covered by one side of the political spectrum. For example, this story on rising water temperatures in the Gulf Coast is a blind spot for the right. So if you only get your news from right-leaning sources, you might have totally missed this. Meanwhile, this story on China's proposed training facility in Cuba is a blind spot for the left, so you might have missed that story instead. Now, you may be thinking, why should I be paying attention to partisan sources at all? Well, part of being informed about the world around us is also being informed of potential political slants and echo chambers. That's because if we know where these views are coming from, we'll be better equipped to not only spot ongoing bias, but to engage in healthy dialogue with those who hold different views. In fact, I know I've personally benefited a whole lot from ground news. I've gotten much better at spotting political bias, and I've surprisingly challenged some of my own views too. As such, I highly encourage our viewers to give Ground News a try. We're even offering a 30% discount on their Vantage plan for all TLDR viewers. And that includes access to a feature called My News Bias, which is basically a dashboard for your news diet. Sign up to find out how your reading habits change over the next week. What are your top sources? Are you engaging with diverse perspectives? What about your favorite topics? Find out with Ground News Vantage, which is 30% off only using our link. So make sure that you go to ground.news forward slash TLDR or click the link in the description to get started and support an independent news platform working to make the media landscape more transparent.